So yeah, um, starting off here, we were just talking about the production and how to start a podcast, and we're just rolling it. Yeah. <laughs> we're just rolling it straight up. So Dallas, glad you're here, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here too. We, so. We've been working to try to get this together for a little while. Yeah, well, so. we finally made it happen. And I, I do have to tell a funny story to start this off. Perfect. We were talking about things you might hear in the background when you're trying to do a production like this. <laughs> yeah. So um, in my entrepreneurial journey, I've tried many things. I've been successful at some, I've failed at others. This one thing I tried, this was probably going back 12 years ago, 10 years ago, is we had a connection in the Philippines of doing basically virtual assistants, mm-hmm. okay? And you know you could hire them, and I think our cost rate was like maybe two dollars an hour, yep. and it helped one of our clients' companies. And we started thinking like, hey, let's create a company. And so we created a company called Virtual E Staff. Okay. And Virtual E Staff, we started placing these Filipinos um, to work for companies, just doing administrative type work and all that stuff. And and I had a big opportunity with this franchise called the Alternative Board, which I had been a member of. And I said, hey, look, you know, we want to provide an administrative staff to the franchisor. Right. And so I got the CEO. Where, like, he was like, yeah, I want to really try this. I want to be innovative and type stuff. So we set up the whole, like, web call and all that type of stuff. And um, the lady was working from their houses, which, you know, they typically do. And they put just white sheets around them. Mm-hmm. And we're starting. We're trying to make it look as professional as we can. And so <laughs> she gets on. And it's, it's like 6 a.m. her time, whatever the time it was. And we started going, like, this was going to be a big deal for us to sell to yeah. this company. And she's talking about it. And I was like, yeah, it's very professional. We do these things. And then all of a sudden, the roosters started crowing no right outside of the background. And, you know, then someone's hair dryer goes on because they're all trying to get ready for school. And we're like, oh, this is probably not going to, we're not going to win this opportunity. Yeah, this is going to be tough. So, yeah. What ended up happening with that? That was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, it ran its course, and you know, my we had three different partners, and that, that's actually a good thing to talk about. Is like you know, when you have three different equity partners, either you're all in or you're not, and then if one equity partner tends to be doing all the work but not really making any money, I just that was me, and I was like, you know, what? I need to go spend my time somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that without their being as involved as I am. So yeah. I let it go. That's a, that's a good. A good way to kick it off. <laughs> yeah. So what's what like, what is kind of like your story on how you've gotten to where you are now? Kind of like a little, you know, kind of like at a high level, and then we could dig in. But just to kind of start off, like, you know, how'd you get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think it starts with I, I started my career off with the Army. Um, went to Accenture, which back then was Anderson Consulting. Yep. Did the the top 20 MBA thing. And then I worked for IBM and had a good corporate, you know, time there for about seven years. And mm-hmm. on one of those flights, I used to fly out every week. I read this book called Wallet at Heart. Yeah. I, and I've read that since yeah. you told me about that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it, you know, I don't know what your religious viewpoints are or anything, but the essence of it is, is, you know, you got one shot at life. That's right. You don't get any do overs. And, uh, at that point in time, I've been working hard, always one of the hardest working people on the team and doing well, I was gonna have enough money for retirement, but I was like, I might not even make it to retirement. I might die before that. So yeah. am I really doing what I wanna do? And I thought through that, and ever since I was probably in sixth grade is when I had my first entrepreneurial venture, I, I figured out, you know, I could make cinnamon toothpicks 
for a fraction of the cost that I could sell them for at school. I'd buy the big bulks of gum. I mean, I actually figured out my margins and all that stuff, and I'd go sell all this at school. And so I knew I wanted to do something, and um, I didn't know what business to start, you know, and uh, so I looked at started buying businesses, yeah. you know, and just was going to leave IBM. And at that point in time, I did not work with uh, – business brokers that really knew what they're doing and that's what we do now exactly uh, so it's come full circle and they the businesses they're repping were like either overpriced didn't make any sense and um so i decided to start one and i bought a franchise or started a new franchise okay. <coughs> called the alternative board and uh, i made that leap um but i do remember coming home at after that flight telling my now ex-wife that hey, look, I, I'm going to leave IBM and, and start a company. And she's just like pregnant with our second child looking at me <laughs> you're like, like are you and you're, what are you going to do? And then I think what scared her even more is like, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm going to do something. And so once you become an entrepreneur, and I think you're figuring this out too, is like, okay, I've got this initial business plan. But then all of a sudden, these all these different opportunities start appearing that you never thought about before because you're sort of in this corporate mindset. Yeah. And uh, so I've been involved in a lot of different ventures, still am today, mm -hmm. and uh, that's sort of how I got here. But there's a lot more in the yeah, middle of that no, story. absolutely, and I want to and I want to dig into that. But like before before we do that, it's we we're talking about this is you know because I have a very very similar background yeah. to you. You know, I started in corporate, yeah. you know, Deloitte and ABB and corporate jobs, and was very structured. And then I started working for smaller, you know, small small business and got some entrepreneurial like taste because it's like you don't have this huge corporate structure behind right. you. It's like you've got to figure out how to get things yeah, done. Yeah. And then and then yeah, and then you I had had a similar conversation with my wife. And I think she was kind of like tired of hearing me bitch about it. And she was like just shut up or like go do it, you know. Yeah. And so that was part of it, but yeah, once you get into that, once you get a little taste of it, it's like yeah, I just there's things just start to open up and it like, is these, there's like just opportunities everywhere you look it's like the matrix when <laughs> yeah. you take the pill all of a sudden it's I like know. whoa i didn't realize I it's know. all this stuff out I here know. and part of that is like all the people that i've met like yourself you know it's yeah. like you go we meet we have a beer and we start talking and then all of a sudden it's like that you know there's an idea like, <laughs> that might work yeah let's, let's give that a shot you know but you know and that's the other thing is, is in 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 my all my entrepreneur ventures, I did do a lot of business coaching. Don't do as much of that anymore now. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a mentor investor in some of the companies I'm involved with. And um, one of the things that's really tough, and I'm involved with an entrepreneur now too, is, you know, when you see all these things, it's like you still have to get focused, yeah, right? And you can't chase every opportunity. And I love I love my partner that I have, and one of his skill sets is being creative, a lot of energy, mm -hmm. but I have to sometimes like bring him back down. Okay, that's great, but what are we going to do this week? What do yeah. we want to tell our team? Yeah, exactly. you know, <laughs> do we want to tell them that we want to pivot on our model? Yeah. No, not yet. You yeah, know? let's not freak everybody so out. So you gotta, you know, that's that's a little bit of the entrepreneurial curse. Is like everything looks shiny now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So from so from IBM, like at what like at what age were you? You know, you had like a like a good solid career, like solid trajectory. You could have just stayed the course and been you know super well off. I'm sure. So like, mm. at what age was it where you were like, I'm I'm making the switch? That's good. I think I was. I'm 52 now. That was in 2000. 
started January 2008, so that's going to be 12, yes, 15 years ago, so I was mid-30s. Cool. And, um, you know, I, I, was, it was, I, had a, I had a great boss at the time. I was on uh, the uh, – IBM has this thing with leadership succession, and they will identify certain people. And if you right. get identified early on, it's like really cool. I was identified for that executive track. It was mm-hmm. – I had a lot of good things going for me, but it was just – it was not as fulfilling, you know. You go travel someplace, different city, almost every week, working with people you really don't know that well, yep. and you're just, you know. So it's that was one of the things I learned was after I started the business. The first part of my business was really focused on the business coaching and putting six to eight uh, non-competing business owners together at a peer advisory board meeting once a month. Yeah, I learned a ton from those, but for me personally, what I learned was is that it's this relationship mm-hmm. that is so important. It's not about just a job, getting in, making some money, and going back. It's like really enjoying the people that you work with, making a difference in their lives, them making a difference in your lives, and you know that was that was a reward I wasn't necessarily seeking or knew that was so important to me until I did it. It's so funny you say that because I like it's just. It's so cool working with small businesses mm-hmm. because like the impact that you have is it's totally tangible and it like it's it, you can help so it's it affects people like directly yeah. like you can see like yeah. a, how they can support their family how they're achieving their goals and it's just like such a level of uh you know like that level of um fulfillment yeah you know and yeah. I, I would have to agree it's a very similar yeah. a similar feeling. And, you know, when did we meet? Was it about a year and a half, two years ago? I think it was like a year and a half ago because Rob Kaiser connected. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I think it was, it wasn't more than a year and a half ago. Yeah, so you're, you're, I mean, you've you've done a lot in a year and a half. (laughs) And I remember sitting down and talking with you and and all that coaching and all the different things I did working with entrepreneurs, um, you know, accounting is like right now finding a good CPA that you're just going to be with you is so difficult right now. Yeah. And one on the one of the major challenges, I mean, the biggest challenge I've seen with small business owners by far is HR. Yeah. From recruiting an employee to firing an employee and everything that happens in between. The second one is their books get screwed up. Mm-hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs do not have an accounting background and you know, they go in there, they don't know the difference between a balance sheet or income statement, what, where should go what, and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're ready to sell your business, you go in there like, man, your books are really screwed up, you know. And, and a lot of CPAs, you know, they don't necessarily go in and make sure that stuff's all clean. They're like, look, I got to get what I need to get to report your revenue and your expenses, all that stuff in the middle, you know. And uh, so when you're talking about what you're doing, I was like, man, that is something that if I was to start my coaching business over, in 2008 January I'm like okay that would have been because I didn't know how much of a need that was and we've moved on and done other things now so I knew you'd do well with it but I didn't expect in a year and a half you've got this awesome amazing office you've got some <laughs> great team members um, people that talk about you that worked with you say how well you you know thanks man you've helped them so congrats I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. And I didn't, I didn't pay Dallas to say that. <laughs> no. But, but I mean, the first thing you said was HR, and the reason I've been successful is one hundred percent because I've been, I've 
I knew the importance of having a good team yeah. and the importance of investing in good people. And, you know, I took you around to meet everybody yeah. when you came in and Elise was the first hire. And, and then, you know, she's been just incredible that, you know, that was making hiring that first employee is scary, <laughs> man. You know, it's like, that's a, that's a tough one to overcome. And the second one's scary, but it starts to get a little bit less. And now you have like an infrastructure and like a team and uh, yeah, wouldn't be able to, do what yeah. we're doing without it by it's, no means. It is so, so interesting. And that's, you know, so many entrepreneurs, um, you know, they want to make money, obviously. And the, the driving cause is not money. What I found, it's being in control of your own destiny. Mm -hmm. That is uh, not universal, but I would say if you did a poll and based on my experience, if you ask people, why did you start your business? It's yeah. like, I want to do my own thing. I want to be in charge of my destiny. And, as entrepreneurs start to build up and grow their business, especially professional services like yourself, yeah. it's like, okay, now I've gotten so many clients, I need to bring on another employee. Where I think some entrepreneurs get stuck is they're like, oh, but I want to spend that money. And, and and they're like, oh, if I hire this employee, that's coming out of my paycheck. Yep. You know, and that, that's the difference between working for the corporate world, being an entrepreneur is you really, you know, when you got to make payroll, yeah. <laughs> it's out of your yeah, wallet. Exactly. And yep. so the fact that you've gone ahead and said, hey, look, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've got the growth. I'm going to go ahead and hire employees. And, you know, those are investments that you're making in your company that, frankly, could have been money going into your bank. Yep. But now that you're doing that, it's starting to have more of a cascading effect. So. While you might not have made as much money in the short term, in the long term, you're probably going to be a lot better off. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. No, I, know, I know you will. I know, I know so. <laughs> you know, because I've and I've been you know lucky enough to talk with enough smart people like yourself yeah. and work in businesses, and it's just it's one of those uh, it's one of those like financial decisions that doesn't have a financial metric. It's like one of those like qualitative decisions yeah. where it's like you just have to know. Like it's like you can't measure the ROI of hiring a person. Yeah. I mean. Maybe you can, but I wouldn't even, it's, you know, that's kind of like, but. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's definitely metrics you could put to it, but it's, it is, it's, it's like you're saying, you're not saying, hey, look, I'm going to buy a new machine to double my output. Right, exactly. You're not getting that when exactly. you're an employee. In fact, you know, uh, hiring employees, one of the hardest positions to hire is a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, and really, you know, some of the best interviews you'll have interviewing sales candidates, they, they do really good. Salespeople should yeah, do good. Yeah, they should do good. But then you get them, and then, you know, you end up, you know, paying a ton of money, and they don't work out. That has been one of the hardest positions uh, is sales and professional services to hire. Uh, but other than that, operationally, you know, when you're hiring them, you know, you know you're going to get um, a certain amount of uh, productivity with them. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and with 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 like the professional services firm like there is you know it's a little bit easier to put a metric and say you know this person should be able to support this amount of revenue right you know that's um, right that's right but so i want to ask you this so one of the challenges i had early on was that you know first of all my very first coaching client i'm like oh my gosh you know they're paying xyz per month and i'm coming in here to sit <laughs> yeah. for an hour and you know they paid a lot of money for this what am yeah. i going to do like it sort of freaked me out you know but i finally got into a groove of like a pattern of the things to probe on yep. um with experience but as i really tried to grow that business i found it really difficult to scale i had mm -hmm. i had hired 
brought on team members, uh, Rich Novak, Brian Smith, Randy Schwartz was with us for a while, where these are very successful leaders that mm -hmm. have had their own company or corporate world that wanted to do the same coaching. They yeah. didn't know how to get coaching clients. I did. Right, exactly. And so I was, I was feeding out the work to them. But what I did find is, is because so much of the firm was me, and it definitely is that case now that we've sort of scaled down and just focused on business brokerage mm -hmm. <coughs> with some coaching is when you're out there selling, it's like, oh yeah, definitely want to go with Chris Capone. He's going to be, but now like you, you, you're so limited. Yeah. Like then they realize, oh, you're not the ones doing all my work. I've got to work with someone else. Yeah. So how have you tried to like sort of pivot from you doing all that to like now actually it's, it's, you're telling the clients, it's not me, but I got a team and it's actually better off for you now. Yeah. So how have you like, Tell me that journey. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely difficult. And I'll tell you, like the first clients that I brought on, you know, I'm still working with them very, yeah. very, very directly. Like I haven't passed off the responsibilities much. I mean, a little bit, like kind of some of the behind the scenes work. Yeah. But, you know, part whether it's right or wrong and, you know, you as a experienced, you know, and business coach tell me. But to me, it's like, you know, those first clients believed in me. Right. Yeah. And they helped me. I wouldn't have been able to kind of get to, you know, where we've been with that without those first clients. Because yeah. it's kind of like you said, like, you know, with the or I forget who I was talking about with the software. It's like, how do you sell software if no one's using it yet? Right. right. You've got to have that first client. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, so I would say that it's definitely something that I'm struggling with yeah. for sure. I think that's probably one of my biggest constraints to continued growth. But those early clients, I, you know, I, you know, I've I've. I'm still working with them and I want to, you know, yeah. I, I truly, I truly do. Um, but what I've started to do is like, you know, Elise is part of a BNI group. Yeah. So she's the one that's actually going out and meeting okay, clients, like meeting people and starting to network so that it's more of an organic thing where it's like, Hey, like, you know, and Elise is doing a lot of the intake calls and a lot of the onboarding and, you know, her and I were sitting in here this morning and we were going through the client list and there were three or four clients on there that I really I haven't even talked to yet, okay. which is kind of weird. That's awesome. But I was just like, yeah, I was like looking at, it, I was like, and it just made me like so happy. I was like, isn't that like a that's, breakthrough moment? That like, is a breakthrough. I remember, moment. like, oh my gosh, we're sending out an invoice to a client I don't know about, and I didn't even know we're invoicing. Exactly. Yes, I know. I know. It's the, yeah. It was it was the coolest thing. But I guess like what I'm there's certain like different businesses have different levels of complexity, right? Yeah. And so, and the way I've tried to approach it is you get a team, right? Mm. And we've built, the, the way we operate is based on the system that I've built. And, you know, we've got a team of people that can support you. And that's kind of how it is, you know? Yeah, so that's good. It's, it's a little difficult. But. So, you know, I know that a big part of this podcast is you're interviewing other folks too. Yeah, I know. You know what, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna turn this on you a little I bit. I like it. So, um, one is, you know, it's, professional services industry, I think what you're in right now, it's, um, and I've, I'm dealing with this with another client I'm selling and she's worried about a key employee leaving and starting another competing business. Yeah. So you do this and now you're sending out, you know, your team members to help develop yeah. sales and they're doing the bookkeeping and turnover is a real risk. And not only turnover, it's like, are you training your next competitor. best competitor? Exactly. Right. And so, you know, I've, I've always said, okay, like, you know, well, you got to build a, 
organization and culture where people don't want to leave, mm-hmm. which means, you know, there's, you, you sort of end up taking the work that's all associated with client and breaking it out to different team members so that, you know, if they have to go start it, well, now you got to do everything. Yep. So how have you approached that as you're bringing these people on to, to uh, keep them, the good ones, the ones that aren't, you obviously want to turn over. Yep. Um, but those that want to stay, you know, how do you, you know, what's the motivation that you give them to want to stay and not go start out their own bookkeeping and fractional CFO service? Yeah, no, that's something that I think about a lot and I'm still like early on where it's, it hasn't necessarily gotten to that point, you know, cause Elise has been with me for eight months now and then Dan has been, you know, five or six months, Catherine three or four months and then Eric two months. So we're still very, but the, the, what, what I've tried to do is just start with hiring the right people that want the job for the right reason. And, you know, so like, and it's, it's, it's hard to do, but ultimately, you know, if you can like, that's the gatekeeper, like that's the gatekeeper moment is yeah. hiring the right people. Yeah. And so like the interview process is, is like, you know, as long we meet, we talk, I take my wife with the interviewee and their spouse and we go out to dinner and we talk and like, you know, we talk about life and like, and you know, Natalie had just as much of a, you know, you know, part on like, you know, hiring some of these folks as, as as I did. Cause, cause it's more like when you, when you see that you're working with real people and like you see the impact of the people, you know, I think it helps you like understand like, that we're here, we're all here for the same reason, and it's to make a living so that we can enjoy life, yeah. right? And that's and that's what I've always hired people on is like we we work to live, not the other way around. Yeah. So I mean, there's only so much you can do with that, and I've tried to do that, but also I'm not. And I was talking with you about this, like I'm not a greedy person, you know. Yeah. And I know that there's gonna become a point where you know there's an opportunity for someone to make more money, or so the compensation factor is I think I do pretty good at, yeah. from a compensation perspective and as the business grows there's going to be plenty of opportunity to share that growth with the people that you know stick with and, yeah. and help us and then finally like we're out of here at noon on Fridays yeah, you know so. it's like it's like that type like you come into the office like it's it's a fun it's a fun place to be we yeah. wear jeans and you know like it's a totally non-corporate like I'm I, my whole philosophy is like is if our clients are happy and the work's getting done and we're meeting our like metrics that you need like yeah, yeah i mean i don't necessarily yeah. care how and where and when you do the work i mean that's a big part of re- retaining employees yeah, right well, now because yeah. you know with all the remote work and all these changes it's kind of just like you know it's just making that flexible environment where hey you know you got to take your your kids to doctor's appointments at 10 a.m we'll just you know Come in after lunch, you know, yeah. do what you got to do. I think there's a big, a big part of that. So that's so. culture. Yeah. You know, doing this and, and, um, you know, worked with well over a hundred business owners and, you know, as, as their advisor and coach. And one of the things that I did that I always started with, I said, you know, and we did this actually a little bit at, uh, when we had a beer at Waterman's the other day, it's like, yeah. but we can talk about business. We talk about all this other stuff, but what I want to start off with is what is your personal vision? Yep. And, you know, this isn't, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs will just default back into 
part of the vision is no, no, you personally. What, I think I did that too. I you, started to talk about the business. You're like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, exactly. No. And they just do it. And I personally. said, no, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, the business should be about supporting you, not, you know, you just living to go to work type thing. And, and you, you've got all your personal guarantees out there. You've got the risk. You make payroll before you pay yourself. So ideally, where do you get the business to, to achieve your personal vision? Mm-hmm. And we had that conversation and we, we went through it. It's, you know, uh, you know, how much do you want to work? How much do you want to make? Where do you want to travel? What activities do you want to be involved in? What brings you the most joy yeah. and how can you leverage that and do that? One of the things I found is, is once we started doing more of the performance culture stuff, working with not necessarily the owners, but then the managers and stuff, I'd ask the manager and say, okay, you, you manage Jane over here. What's her personal vision? Mm-hmm. And they're like, blank stare. No, what's really important? Where does she want to be in life in five years? Mm-hmm. And that is one of the biggest mistakes managers don't, or, or that's one of the biggest mistakes they make, mm-hmm. is not really trying to understand. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, there's a balance between, you know, what you do in the workplace and what you do outside of the workplace, but being able to uh, understand each, each person you manage, their personal vision, is huge and uh, i wasn't trying to set you up to see okay how do you keep your employees but yeah that is one of them like if they feel like you know chris knows where i want to be in five years and he is uh, helping support me get there and sometimes that personal vision means that they're going to leave you Mm -hmm. and i've had plenty of team members i'm like okay we can't achieve your personal vision inside the company yeah but we can help you do these things so that it will position you so that you can right and then it's like a there's a natural yeah. progression there and like, oh, i don't want to leave now yeah, yeah that, that either. <laughs> but you know the first question that i ask everybody in an interview and i and i, I got this in the book uh who um and it's it says where do you want where do you want to be in right. five to ten years it's the first question mm-hmm. I ask every single person. And it's so funny. Every single person that has worked here that, that we've hired have all said the same thing. And they their answer, I mean, like generally speaking, was I want to work in a place where I have fulfillment in the work I do, where I can enjoy life and, and work with a team of people. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it is crazy when you have the, you know, the impact of getting a group of people that have a similar vision on what they want to achieve in, in their personal life. Yeah. And, um, and then you put it together and it's just, it's been, it's cool. So have you had much conflict yet as you've been building the team? No, no, no. And I'm like, honestly, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm like looking over my shoulder. Like when's it going to happen? But you, you know? got to embrace it when it happens. Yeah. And this is, okay. this is not that, I mean, heck no one likes conflict, right? You know, you want to, come up every morning and have no problems, you know, right. <laughs> but, but when I've, you know, the software company that we started sort of a byproduct of the coaching service performance culture, which, you know, I had a, a really nice exit a few years ago. Um, I just lost my track because I was thinking about the exit we had. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty nice. Where were we going on this? Uh, we were talking about conflict with, uh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And that, and so, with that company trying to accomplish something amazing, trying to create a software company, trying to, so we would have come in and we'd have different opinions. Heck yeah. Or you'd have a conflict with a customer and, and I've said, you know what, we're not, we're not gonna achieve something amazing 
without conflict. Mm-hmm. It's just going to naturally happen, and and you're going to have to have friction. If if you don't have friction, you're going to get to a certain point <coughs> and plateau. So yep. I've always said you that you know you got to embrace it. You know when it happens, it's like it's happening because we're on the course of doing something amazing. And to think that we could get there with everybody always agreeing, yeah, and no, I, not getting a little ticked off at, with each other, right? Is, is yeah. Uh, so let's talk. So we talked about you know you you started after IBM you started the peer group, mm-hmm. and that was also part of the like the coaching. Was that this like kind of the same? Yeah, they you know the alternative board they have a program called the Strategic Business Leadership Program, and it's a coaching model. Okay. And I studied it, got certified in it, and uh, over a course of period of time, I've, I've read so many books about different things. I've sort of blended it into my own system, and I call it performance culture. Yep. Uh, the entrepreneurial operating system, mm-hmm. uh, Gina Wickman, who yep. wrote that, he's, he was a, you know, there was a lot of good stuff that I saw in his, but it didn't address some of the things that I wanted to do on the people side. So, of course, like any entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, I'm going to create my own. Yeah. And a lot of it was around this what's called the performance values matrix. Okay. And we would, uh, when I was coaching owners, I'd say, okay, let's take a look at your, your team, right? Okay. On one axis you have really, you know, their skill sets, their acumen, their execution of their job, you know, salesperson is a good person. Is the salesperson crushing their goals? Yeah. That's, that's the performance side. The other side are behaviors. Right. And you know, if you, if you have an awesome salesperson, but Every time that salesperson comes in the office, everybody's like, oh, God, you know, we hate working with this guy, you know, then you'd say behaviorally, they're not aligned with what you'd want as a culture. And those mm-hmm. are some of your most dangerous employees, these high performers that have behaviors that are hurting every, that are really causing everybody else to be a lower performer. Yeah. So we would look at this matrix and in the four categories, if you have someone that's just awesome at their job, acumen's good, and then they're a great team player, they're a star employee. Yep. And I'd say, okay, so how do you coach? Is, is Do I need to coach someone on the acumen side, which is more about training and stuff, or do I need to coach someone on the behavior side? Hey, look, you might not realize this, but you're pissing people off in the office <laughs> yeah. with what you're doing, or you know, your attitude is not good. And so those attitudes and behaviors are a bigger factor than anything else. So we started coaching people with that and uh, had a spreadsheet with – plot everybody on the, the spreadsheet and, you know, we go quarter by quarter. Where are we moving? We want everybody to be up in the star category. Yeah. So that would be the top right of the matrix? Yeah, top right. Okay. Yeah. And I'd use an analogy. Well, some people would say, well, not everybody should be in the top. And I said, well, uh, who won the last Super Bowl? I think everybody at their position was probably pretty good and they had yeah. great team chemistry. Yep. So as a manager, if you're like getting everybody in that top, you know, that's, that's what, that's how you win championships. That's how you achieve amazing things. So, um, we developed a whole process around the coaching, the check-ins and all that stuff. And and in fact, I'm helping another company look at how they implement something like that with their, um, what they're doing today. So the spreadsheets were good. And then I was like, I'm coaching all these business owners. And again, I've, I've learned just as much as hopefully I've helped them is that, Part of what they're coaching is like work yourself out of a job mm-hmm. so that you could take off for a month uh, and, you know, have this great product and team that's scalable, have a, a niche focus. And uh, 
you know, it's going to be better for you now. And then when you eventually exit your company, which everybody will, yeah, either through death or, or yeah. something, you know, yeah. you're going to exit. Yeah. You want to have a company that is sellable yep. or that even if it's going to be inherited by your children or whatever, they, you know, you want to have it where it's not really relying on you. Yep. And, uh, and when I was thinking through coaching all these owners, I was like, you know what? I looked myself in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not doing that with my own business. So Coaching cool. is not scalable. You know, and I go sell a new client, they want to work with me and, yep. you know, and we had other good coaches, but you just sort of develop a relationship. You know, that's, that's who I want to work with. Yeah. And I was like that, I'm not going to achieve my own personal goals. Mm-hmm. As much as I love this coaching work, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I want to build something that would somebody would want to buy my company. Yep. Do what I'm helping other entrepreneurs do. So when the the performance culture method and the, the folks with the, the uh, spreadsheets and all that stuff started working, I was like, you know, I started working nights and weekends developing it as a software. And I'm not a software developer. I do have really good logic skills and I understood database structure to an extent. And uh, But I just kept banging at it, banging at it, banging at it, you know, looking at YouTube video, whatever it was That's to like wild. figure out. Because I've seen so many people have a software idea Mm-hmm. And they go out and hire a developer to go build it, and it, it fails. Right. The, the developer's not inside the, the person's head, exactly. and they don't know everything. And then once that developer leaves, goes on the next thing, you know, who's going to maintain your software? So I knew, I was like, I'm going to do this. I really want to know. And so I built it with that, which was really good. The initial product that I came out with, I was like, oh, I wanted to do this now. So whatever I had told the developer with my initial design anyway, wouldn't have been right. Right. Exactly. I sort of learned it's an iterative process. And yeah. uh, one of our clients, uh, James E. Moore, was, I think, the first client to adopt this. And uh, so we implemented it with our company. We had someone on our team that was working with them. And uh, they really liked it. Jim is, is a mentor to me, I believe, and, and I believe I know. And uh, so we got there. And I'm like, okay, well, let's try it with another client. We tried it with another client. So we had about four or five of our clients that were – paying us a monthly retainer for services, just sort of like they would pay for you. Yep. And they were getting the software for free. Nice. And that was just because I wanted to see if it would work. And once we had enough traction with that, I was like, you know what, this this could be the company. And, you know, we, Rich, Brian, and myself put in the initial investment. And I was very fortunate, like you, I had a different company that was actually making money that, you know, was paying my bills at that point. And so I could use the extra cash flow to invest in it. And yep. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it, I won't say it took off. Yeah. <laughs> First year it was like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's get, you know, uh, we had no point paying clients the very first year, you know, I was yeah. like by the end of the year, let's be at, um, $10,000 of monthly recurring revenue with yeah. software. Certainly knowing that our cost per month was a lot more than that, but like, right. let's try to get to, hey, yes. we ended that, uh, first year. I think we're about $2,500 monthly mm-hmm. recurring revenue. Yep. And, uh, you know, you know, and you, you make money on one side and then you, you put it in the other side and you're like, man, this better go. And then the next year, like, all right, well, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Mm-hmm. Rich and Brian were invaluable. And then we got it to uh, the, the next year. I think we ended the second year at that $10,000 okay. monthly recurring revenue. And all right, we're, we're getting there, still losing money. Third year, we started like, okay, now we're, we're getting somewhere. And I'll never forget, you know, we, we started like we got Quinnipiac University. We started getting some actually bigger brands 
play it. We were like, holy shit, this is <laughs> this, this is great. awesome. Yeah. And then um, then we got some other really good brands, and um, that's that's when we knew like, okay, we had something. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So did you guys have to? Uh, raise any money for that venture or mm -hmm. well we we're very fortunate that rich and brian were angel investors and we're very fortunate at that point in time uh, you know i got into business brokerage um, i guess my first deal was about it was about 10 years ago and you know i had you know i just took those commissions and invested sure. yep. brian um invested rich brian but one of the things i liked about well rich all I have so much to thank for both of them. One of the things that as I was growing and I was fortunate with making the money that we were making is that I'd say, all right, Brian, you know, we're going to run out. I did cash flow budgeting. You would be so proud with your financial background. Like, damn, that was good. You know, I knew which month we were running out of yeah, money, exactly. you yeah. know? And um, so I go, you know, Brian, I'm like, Brian, we're going to need another 50. Mm -hmm. I'll put in 25. We put in 25 and we issued ourselves more stock Got it. every time we did that. Yep. And, um, so, uh, thank God we had Brian in there to just be able to match it and it sort of mitigated some of my personal risk with that too. Right. Yeah. And then, so how, so from like, you know, year one ground zero four clients, no paying clients, to like getting it to a point of like, hey, like we're making money. Mm -hmm. How long did that take? What was that timeline like? Fifth year. Okay. Um, fourth and fifth year. Fourth year was, I think, just about breaking even. Okay. And um, yeah, well, with the exception, you know, um, you know so the fifth year, we had. Um, I had made contact, made friends with Jurassic Capital, um, Kevin Mosley over there, Jim Roberts, who, you know, in our area is always hooking up entrepreneurs. Yeah. And he just made an introduction uh, on that. And that was early, early on with Kevin okay. Mosley. And uh, we stayed in touch. And in the fifth year uh, was when, like, holy cow, you know, we ran the whole numbers. I think we were making about $50,000 of EBITDA, you know, which, you know, but we, but we hit the the big number we hit was that we were now over a million dollars of annual recurring revenue, yeah. and that's when like, you know, people try to raise money all the time. It's like, well, you got to show me, you got to show me. Well, I can't show you until I have the money. Like, right. So exactly. it's chicken and the egg. Exactly. So, but yep. you know, so we self funded, we scrapped, we did everything we could, and we got it to that that secret number and yeah. not secret number that that one number where yeah. if you're going to really attract investors. Yeah. And I love their their thesis. They uh, Jurassic Capital was founded by a couple of folks that um, started Bronto Software. Uh, they built that. They had a two hundred million dollar exit of themselves. It was a software as a service. They deployed some of their own capital in there. And you know, I, if if I was going to sell the company, I knew it wasn't going to be. I didn't want to be involved with it anymore. It's like you know, yeah. it's a whole different game once you get investors in oh, there. Oh, sure. But knowing that, hey, look, these are operators. These are not your, you know, I, I did the NBA thing, so, you know, but, you know, a lot of NBA super smart financial people, they don't know how to run a company, right? You know, like I can look at a spreadsheet all day long and tell you, like, what's wrong with it. But, right. I mean, to recruit the people you've recruited to go to make the sales, that's a whole different model. Mm -hmm. So these were operators, and that was running this fund. And, uh, you know, I thought they would do a really good job. What's really just taken what was my initial vision, 
and carrying that on with the team that was continuing with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then at what point did you hire like a, you hired a, like a COO or like a, for that business or was that for a different business? Um, or you hired like a key employee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, Melissa Philippi was someone that was on our team at that point in time. She was actually doing a lot of sales coaching for James E. Moore okay. and helped implement that. So, you know, while I had, I had developed the initial framework and stuff like that, she was out in the field implementing it. And so, um, the, one of the beauties of the design of creating performance culture was, is like, I could not work in it full time. Mm -hmm. Like I had to do, I still had to do my coaching business. Right, I exactly. still had to do my business brokerage business. I still had to run the IMF Cape Fear yeah. <coughs> angel fund and I didn't have hardly any money, you mm -hmm. know, to, to go, you know, outside of, um, to, you know, start, I had money to help get it started, but not much. So, um, we worked out a deal where she came in and said, look, you know, should be a part of the company, um, mod very modest salary, but a lot, huge upside. If you hit certain sales targets, you know, that's how you get more equity. Yep. And it was brilliant the way it worked out, worked out well for her, uh, worked out well for the company and she built it up and she did a, a really good job while I was still involved in other things. And, yeah. and so when you talk about working yourself out of the job, that company was started already without me being there hundred percent. Right. I was right. involved in a lot of other things. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably deal with this issue. It's like, you know, I want to get this good person, but I can't necessarily afford them. Yeah. And so the only other way to compensate them is with equity, but I don't want to give away any of the equity. It's my business, you know, but it's kind of like, I mean, it sounds like you had a really amazing experience with, you know, offering a good person some equity yeah. because they were able to, you know, they were motivated. To yeah, I think we're, we're, there's a couple of things to say about that. Um, one is I think it's a mistake on day one to say, hey, look, here's your equity. Right. You know, that's to help recruit someone, but they haven't done anything yet. Right. That person doesn't work out. Guess what? Yeah. You're stuck with an equity partner. Yep. If you say, hey, look, you know, if you drive X amount of value in my business, you've increased my company, let's just say tenfold. For that, absolutely you should get equity. And then equity is awarded based on performance. Based on performance. Versus, and so that, uh, that was one of the uh, better decisions I made in terms of how you incent someone with that. Mm -hmm. And I would say it worked out for that person, but for a lot of people, they don't have that entrepreneurial mindset. Mm -hmm. And I have seen like, hey, look, we're gonna do stock options. And there's some people like, hmm, great, thanks. What can I do with it? Yeah. You know, we'll wait until we have an exit one day. When's that gonna be? Yeah. What if I leave? You know, some people just don't get it. Right. Other right. people are like, yes, I've got a stakeholder in this yeah, company, I've um, got options. And so when, when I've talked with entrepreneurs about how you compensate and, and motivate employees with compensation, like I got one guy that I work with right now. It's like, he's just, he just was like, I don't understand if I had a bonus, if I had this or that, I'm giving her these things. I'm like, some people, it just doesn't motivate them. Mm -hmm. uh, some people aren't motivated by the equity. Other people will be, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to like one of the initial points we talked about was like knowing your people and knowing what their personal vision yeah. is. Right. I mean, it's, you know, like there's not one uh, compensation uh, metric that, you know, is the right fit. Like yeah. it depends on who 
the individual is what what motivates that person and yeah that's interesting yeah yeah there's a story about that where I, there's this sales guy that was um for a company I've worked with over the years and he started crushing it and he was already making close to a couple hundred thousand dollars you know mm-hmm. he's that good for a lot of value and then and then it was the end of year bonuses and the, the owner was thinking about what to do and I was like you know you've already paid him like you know you you, you reward him as sales come in so what does he really like to do he's like man this guy loves to fish mm-hmm. I was like man go out and get him a gift card to Texas Tackle you know yeah. Because whatever monetary bonus you throw him is going to probably be insignificant to the $200,000 he's made in commissions, you right. know? So he went out there and did that, and, you know, they did their Christmas things, and he gave them to him. And he said that had the huge, biggest impact on that employee. It's like, you know, it was only a couple hundred bucks, but for this guy, to like, you know, the manager knew what he loved. Exactly. And it's like, man, you really took – and that was huge. That's a, that's a big, big thing I think managers can do is, like, you know, do something that is personally meaning to that employee. Yeah. P- personally meaningful. Awesome. Awesome. Man, somehow we're already yeah, That went by quick. At the end of yeah. our time. And we, man, I don't, we barely even scratched the surface, but uh, we'll have to do a part two and maybe a part three sometime. But I guess kind of like in closing, you know, um, what would be, what would you say you're like, your, you know, your, your greatest success has been over the you know the period of, of your of your career. Yeah, um, well, I think one you know just just put everything in perspective. There's nothing more important to me in this world than my kids. Yeah. So, and uh, there's been a lot of good ups and downs with that, but that you know by far is like if I look back at my life, that's my biggest thing. But. You know, not to get all crazy emotional or anything, but then if you get, you know, if you look beyond that, you just say, okay, what have you done in the business world and those things? Um, Golly, I don't know. I don't know if I could pick the one thing. I mean, you know, starting, coming up with a software idea, launching it, selling it yeah that's like that that pretty that's pretty awesome. damn good that's right? every entrepreneur's dream you know? yeah. yeah i mean so going that full cycle and now yeah. helping other entrepreneurs along that entrepreneurial journey like you know have you ever had professors or whatever where you know they come in they they teach you the book stuff but like they've never gone out there and made it themselves exactly. versus a professor that comes in and says look I've been there. I've done that. You know, I've crushed the world. I'm semi-retired now, but I'm going to do this because I love teaching you. Like you have a lot more respect because that person has actually gone out there and done it. So I think having that frame of reference and now working with other owners, working with people like, you know, I pay rent nowadays by selling businesses and I can completely relate to the the owner selling the business. It's like, I'm not just a broker. I've been in your shoes and I know there's going to be, an emotional charge, you know, going through this whole process. I can completely re- relate to it. Um, and, uh, you know, now just getting involved. I got involved with a real estate company out, out west that uh, made investment. And, you know, I'm not an employee or anything like that. But, you know, as a, an investor, as an advisor with these younger people that one of them used to work, you know, on our team yeah. right out of college, he interned for us. Like, knowing what rich and brian did for me yeah. as investors and mentors and now being able to invest in that company and and mentor him and his wife who is also in the business and just see that and you know 
you know, hopefully I, I make a difference yeah. is huge. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that, you know, who better else to help sell your business than someone that's started, grown, and sold their own <laughs> business, right? Yeah. And uh, so if, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the, you know, w- website? What's, what's the best way for, for <laughs> folks to get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, just go to uh, our website. It's launchgrowexit.com. Okay. It's Cornerstone Business Advisors. Okay. And it's, it's uh, we have, you know, launches because we've, we've been very involved with helping companies start their business, raise money, and we don't do that as much anymore. Right. The growth was when we were really doing a lot of coaching on okay. that. And now, it's so funny, it's come full circle. Yeah. Now most of our work is really on the, the exit, exit side. So launch, grow, exit. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, Dallas, thanks yeah, a lot for coming Yeah, enjoyed it. This in, was man. fun. I appreciate you interviewing me. Next time, yeah, I'm just going to get in your shorts a little bit more with your personal vision. Cool. Awesome. Enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.